everybody, welcome to a uh, super duper, uh, delooper, I'll make words up if I want to, episode of That's Odd. I am one of your hosts, Johnny Townsend, and with me, as always, is the esteemed, the super duper delooper version of Chris Chavez. What's up, Chris? Super duper duper. What up, what up, what up? What's going on? It is another beautiful day in creepy land. It is. Yeah, that sounds uh, like just, an oxymoron, but I agree with you. <laughs> we just uh, finished recording a Patreon special, uh, Ask Me Anything of Johnny Townsend, and he answered a few very interesting questions from some of our patrons, our very Creeper Club members. I gotta say. Yeah. yeah, they were really cool. I liked them, and, and I think they're going to enjoy the answers as well. So if you're not a patron, uh, this is the only time I'm plugging it, so go do it. History Creeps on Patreon. Uh, a dollar gets a shout out, which we have not been doing, man. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna blame that on me because um, I don't know. I feel like I should be on top of making sure we do the shout out at the end of the show. So we got to try to remember to do that today. Okay, uh, let's do it. We're gonna do it today. You We're get, gonna actually uh, live up to our promises. <laughs> there you go. You get a shout out. You get uh, membership cards. If you go a little higher, you get extra audio, extra episodes. Uh, we're actually gonna be doing full episodes here coming up that you can only get on Patreon. Uh, and if you go even higher. You can get sitting in on roundtables, uh, vote on a roundtable, and outtakes of the roundtable episodes. That's it. That's all I want to say. Right. And uh, if you listen to Creed, they'll take you higher. All <laughs> righty. So what should we do about this guest? Do we do we introduce him, or do we just completely ignore him and treat him like the uh, redheaded stepchild that he is? Well, since you technically brought him up, I guess we have to bring him in. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to. No, no, you have, we have to now because you just talked. So, uh, uh, please, esteemed, here, you know what, I'll introduce you. Here we go. And we're joined today, this is a, a super duper special occasion for Chris and I, because we are joined by uh, the steamy, the, the luscious, <laughs> <laughs> the wonderful, the beautiful Anthony Mullen. What's up, Anthony? What's up, Johnny? Thank you, Chris. I've never been given that many compliments in a row, even from my own mother. So, <laughs> oh my this... God, that's horrible. That feels. I feel bad for you, dude. I know. I do too now. <laughs> no, 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 no. It made me feel good. So it's a good thing. Anthony, of I course, guess. is one of uh, uh, Chris's co-hosts on his other podcast. Uh, hardly awesome. There you go. There, there you go. I was like, I almost said back issues for a minute. I'm like, nope, that one's done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's where you guys talk about all kinds of stuff, right? Like uh, everything. Everything. I was on there once, even. And it was very fascinating. We did a yes, lot of fun sir. stuff on there. So. Yes, sir. Yeah, go check that podcast out. It's fun. For sure, but that's not this podcast. This podcast is That's Odd. We talk about weird, odd, strange things throughout history. Uh, Anthony, you've listened to the show, so you're fu- you're familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Johnny and I each bring a story. Recently, we've been theming the episodes, so uh, uh, the past, this will be like the third or fourth one now in a row that's going to be having a theme. Uh, Johnny, you want to tell the good people what the theme is? The theme is like strange things related to cults. Uh, you know, the history of people, really. There's been cults throughout it. And they really fascinate me quite a bit. So uh, I found this list on listfirst.com. Uh, it's a great website for the kind of stuff we're into. Like, I really encourage people to go look at that anyway. It's just a fascinating website. Uh, and they had a list of the uh, 10 creepy things with cults. So... Uh, 
I found one that I wanted to do, and then I actually changed it to a different one because I want to do that first one as a full episode of History Creeps. Uh, but I have a, I have one, and Chris has one, and these, and then we each like d- uh, dove into those stories and checked out some details of those things, and that's what we're bringing to you today. I got to tell you, that's probably one of my most favorite things about doing this show, dude, is when we find something that we want to talk about, so we start doing research, and in doing so, we sometimes find other things. That are like, ooh, you know what I mean? Or we find yeah. like, oh, this is something I got to go deeper on. So it forces you to find something else anyway. Uh, but I love it. I, lo- I feel like I've learned more about some of the craziest and just creepiest things in our history just because of this show. Oh, I, I agree completely, 100%. So, But that's what we're doing today. Uh, Chris, yep. I think you said you wanted to go first. Or I said, Chris, you're going first. <laughs> what the other? Yeah, I'll go first. I don't mind. Uh, like you said, we have this list that we're going through. And uh, the story that I'm going to talk about today happened back in 1961. And uh, sometimes I write my own narratives that I'll read out that, you know, sometimes I'll wing it and just kind of tell you guys the story off the top of my head, the stuff I learned. Today I'm going to read something off of uh, a website, The True Crime Enthusiast. Um, they wrote a, a piece on this, uh, and it's actually very well written with all, with all the uh, the facts. So I'm just going to go ahead and read that as part of the story, and we can comment on it. You ready? Let's do it. This is called the Naughty Ash Murder. Naughty K N O T T Y. Like tying tying a knot. It could be two different. (laughs) If it's N A U G H T Y, that's changing the story completely. (laughs) Yeah, not the Naughty Ash. Yeah, Naughty. Okay, more than 55 years have now passed since one of the most horrific and strangest unsolved crimes in the history of Liverpool uh, happened. Uh, so in 1961, England. England, Liverpool, England, Liverpool, it's the Beatles, the home of the Beatles. Uh, at the time and still to this day, it has baffled police and nothing definitive has ever been established as to the motive for the crime. Brian and Maureen Dutton were a young couple who lived in the quiet Liverpool suburb of Naughty Ash, which is famous for being the birthplace and home of a celebrated British comedian and entertainer, Sir Ken Dodd. There's nothing to suggest that Duttons, the Duttons were anything but a happy couple, Maureen being a housewife, as was the popular tradition at the time, and husband Brian, a research chemist working at the ICI establishment in nearby Widness. Uh, the couple already had a two-year-old son, David, and in November of 1961, the Dutton family had become four when Maureen gave birth to the couple's second child, a boy named Andrew. On the 20th of December, 1961, Liverpool, as was the rest of the country, was getting ready for uh, Christmas. The Dutton family, who lived at number 14 Thingwall Road, were excited about little Andrew's first Christmas, and Brian had gone off to work that morning at 8 a.m. after taking Maureen a cup of tea uh, as she was still in bed. Maureen had made plans that day to take David to, the, uh, to visit the Christmas nativity scene at nearby Childwall Parish Church. As the area was blanketed in freezing fog, uh, as it had been for few, uh, the past few days, Maureen had decided not to take the 22-day-old Andrew with her uh, and had arranged for her mother-in-law, Elsie Dutton, to come and babysit that afternoon. Elsie came to visit Maureen and the children that morning and agreed that she would return to look after Andrew in the afternoon. But by 1.30 p.m., the fog had worsened so much that Elsie was unable to get back there and phoned Maureen to say so. This telephone call was the last time Maureen was confirmed to be alive. Brian returned home at 6.10 p.m. that evening and straight away was struck by the fact that the house was in darkness. 
Entering the house, he noticed that the remains of the family lunch was still half-eaten on the dining room table in the front room. He couldn't hear any sounds, and moving to the family living room at the rear of the house, discovered a horrific sight. His wife lay dead on the floor, having been brutally stabbed at least 14 times. Her son David sat nearby in a daze, and baby Andrew lay in a crib. Although neither child had been harmed, it is believed that David had witnessed the mother being murdered. Shaken, Brian immediately raised the alarm. The subsequent murder hunt operated from the city's Old Swan Police Station and was led by Chief Superintendent James Morris of Liverpool CID. But right away, the inquiry team uh, were struck with a lack of solid leads. There were no apparent signs of forced entry to the house. Indeed, it appeared as though Maureen had willingly opened the door to her killer. Nothing appeared to have been stolen from the house. There was no signs of struggle, no obvious forensic evidence from the killer left at the scene, and Maureen had not been sexually assaulted or interfered with. No one had been seen visiting or leaving the, leaving the Dutton house that afternoon, and no sounds of a struggle or screams were heard by anyone in the area. Teams of police search, uh, teams of police search specialists uh, scoured the bushes, streams, and drains of naughty ash and dovecote with metal in, uh, metal in an attempt to find a discarded murder weapon, which is thought to have been a long-bladed knife. But no murder weapon was or has ever been found. The massive inquiry looked at every angle possible, with thousands of people spoken to and some 20,000 statements having been taken within a month of the crime. Local sex offenders and housebreakers were looked at and ruled out one by one. Vehicles in the area were checked and ruled out, and toddler David was constantly monitored by a policewoman in case any of his babble could reveal any clues as to what he had witnessed. The child, however, was incoherent and was never able to give police any leads. But these lines of inquiry all petered out, nor has any motive for Maureen's murder ever been firmly established. The city press jumped on the story, and the Naughty Ash murder became front-page news. The subsequent publicity and house-to-house inquiries led to several theories being presented and reports of people that police wished to speak to uh, to eliminate from their inquiries. Three in particular seemed promising. Reports came through of a man who was operating in the area on a pretense of being a doctor, visiting women who had recently given birth and requesting them to undress so he could examine them. The man had examined one Halewood woman at home, but when her concerned husband contacted the local health service to ascertain the man's identity, it was revealed that the man was a fraudster. As Maureen was a, a new mother, this was a promising line of inquiry, and the hunt was on for the bogus doctor. But for the time yeah, what being... A, what a creep, huh? <laughs> yeah, right? For the time being, this was a line of inquiry that seemed to lead nowhere. Another lead that ultimately led to a dead end was the sighting of a young blonde woman who had drawn attention to herself on the afternoon of the murder when she had boarded a number 10D bus from nearby East Prescott Road, very close to the murder scene. She had an Irish accent and was babbling incoherently about how she needed to get out of the city immediately, how she had done something terrible, and how she was going to London to catch a plane. When the woman was last seen uh, as she exited the bus at Liverpool's Lime Street, she kept repeating, oh my God, over and over. Who was the woman and what had disturbed her so greatly? She was never traced and had never come forward. But by far the strongest lead, had to go, uh, the, strongest lead the police had to go on were reports of a good-looking youth wearing a black leather jacket who was seen several times in the vicinity of Thingwall Road on the day of the murder. 
he was spotted running very uh, very fast down Thingwall Road that afternoon, and not long after was spotted being violently sick near the steps of Court Hay Methodist Church, which is in quite close proximity to the Thingwall Road. Whilst vomiting, the man kept his hands firmly wedged within his pockets as he was doing so, and this was unusual enough for the witness to remember vividly. A woman who lived only a few doors up from the Dutton family reported that on the afternoon Maureen was murdered, she had answered a knock at her door and been confronted by who was likely the same man. He had a menacing look upon his face and didn't say a word, but just stood there, clapping his hands together. Frightened, the woman had quickly slammed and locked the door. The witnesses helped police produce an identikit picture of the youth, and this was published in the local press to a good initial response. Within 24 hours of the identikit being published, police had received over 60 suggestions as to the identity of the man, but each name suggested was eventually eliminated, and this man was never been found. One of the strangest aspects of the crime is the consideration that detectives gave to the possibility that Maureen Dutton was a sacrificial victim in some sort of offering to a Polynesian god known as Tiki. This was an angle that was seriously looked at, as it, had, it was believed that the cult had some followers in the Liverpool area. Detectives acting under the orders of Deputy Chief Constable of Liverpool, Herbert Balmer, examined the activities and customs of the cult and found that its members believed in making sacrifices to Tiki during the winter solstice, the time period in which Maureen was murdered. The cult members were also known to have a reverse swastika symbol tattooed on their upper left arms. Although ultimately the sacrificial victim angle was ruled out as a motive for Maureen's murder, the angle did lead to a strange twist of fate. You ready for this? Yeah, this is fascinating. Yeah. In 1962, a male nurse living in Upper Parliament Street in Liverpool was arrested for theft of drugs and equipment from numerous Liverpool hospitals. The man was identified as being the bogus doctor reported as the line of inquiry the previous year and was found to have the Tiki cult tattoo symbol on his upper left arm. But he was ultimately ruled out as the suspect in Maureen's murder and the police were back to square one. The investigation wound down as time went on and leads dried up. Maureen's killer has never been found to this day. So... Uh, let's see what else does it say here. Due to the amount of time that has passed, it's a real possibility that the killer may be now dead themselves. If they are still alive, he or she should be likely in their 70s or 80s by now. It is likely that they may have committed other crimes and also more than likely have already been known to local health professionals and police. Uh, Maureen's husband and family were left to grieve and her children, David and Andrew, were both forced to grow up without knowing much about their mother, bar the horrific fate she suffered. Uh, yet Maureen's murder has never been forgotten as the crime has been reappealed over the years, uh, basically reopened or brought to the surface. And police have re uh, regularly reviewed the very cold ashes of the crime, awaiting new information that may lead them to the killer. As recently as 2016, the crime was again reopened in the Liverpool Echo newspaper, and an amateur crime writer is planning and researching a book about the case. Until the day comes, the killer comes to light. Uh, the tight-knit community of Naughty Ash will still remember with a chill, the day the death came out of the fog and took one of their own. Did you what a what an ending? Come there. up with that last line. No, it's in there. It's actually written that way. I, that's why I, th I thought this was very well written, and it tells to get you right into it. Tells you everything that happened. But yeah, there's a huge tie to the whole cult murder thing, and it was 
ruled out. And I would like to know why it was ruled out because isn't that just a weird coincidence that the and day she was murdered, this guy was going around doing that and he is a part of that cult? Yeah, very much so. That's a giant coincidence. Too much of one, really. That's when it's too good to be true scenarios. It's weird, man. So what are your thoughts? So, Johnny, what do you think, man? Like, uh, any ideas or thoughts on what what may have happened? I had a I had a theory, and I have no reason for the theory aside from all the information we were given. But I want to hear what you think. Uh, my question. I had a quick question. Uh, they said when she was found, her two kids were there too. Yeah. Uh, the one was too young, two right? years old, and and one was twenty one months or or no twenty two days or something. Twenty two days. Yeah. So they're both kind of really young. Yep. But why was the why was the one days? Did they actually say? Well, I, it must have been like horrific to see, you know. Probably has yeah. had been sitting there crying for hours before anybody found him. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's 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 terrible. I mean, man, that's that's crazy. But yeah, I, I don't know. This one's tough. I mean, it literally could have been any, any of that stuff that you mentioned. There could have been some freaking uh, nut creep, job, creep nut job wacko off the street who just came in and and, and did that. So I, that one's one of those tough ones. That the thing that we that we got to remember is when it comes to the police, they have to have actual evidence for this stuff. Right. If they don't have the evidence, despite how strong you may think, you know who it is, uh, you're, you have a chance of not convicting them. I mean, that's how it is in America. Uh, so, so I kind of get it from the police's standpoint, but yeah, man, that, that one doctor or the fake doctor, I should say, that's the one I would really be focusing on. Yeah, and and if he's a part of that cult, it makes me feel like maybe that is there's more to that. Maybe it wasn't yeah. him specifically, but maybe he's like a scout, like he's sent out to find like you need to find us this person, you know what I mean? Like and then yeah. he reports back that this was the case. And then the woman goes in and ends up killing, you know, if it's a woman that comes to you, uh you're a woman uh and a lot of time another woman comes and is frantic and acting like I need help, I'm scared. Most of the time, a, wo- a woman's instinct is to help the other woman, to help mm-hmm. help her out. So I could see her letting a woman in that may have acted frantic or scared or hurt or needing some sort of help. You know what I mean? Well, probably yeah. either a man, or, a man or a woman would be more likely to help a woman out. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. That's a... That makes just as much sense as anything else. So yeah, I think it could have either been the cult thing, or I wonder if they questioned the mother-in-law. What was the what was that uh, what was that relationship like? Because she was supposed to come back, right? But she Who said she it. didn't. Who said she didn't come back and heard her daughter-in-law on the phone? You know, with with an, you know having an affair and was like, "Not my son." Grabbed a knife. You know what I mean? Well, that escalated yeah. a bit. Like, what'd you say? Well, that escalated a bit. <laughs> well, we don't know their relationship. You True. know, yeah. it could have been something that where she always assumed it. So and she, so she kept a bringing southern it accent up out of nowhere. Kept, it wasn't a southern accent. She just brought it up and and was like bringing it up to her son, and the son's like, "No, she'd never cheat on me." And he's like, "Well, all of a sudden, he's Irish." Uh, and <laughs> and she, she's like, "This story's what? all over the globe." <laughs> Shoney, she's cheating on you, Sonny. And he's like. No, she's not cheating on me. Leave me alone, mother. And he's like, and she's like, stop being Irish. We're not Irish. We're English. And he's this like, is the, this is the greatest story I've ever. And then heard. he, and then he's, he's like, mother, if you need to go by the house and check her out, then she's fine. And so she goes by the house, and she's all, oh hello, you know how much I love you. No, my husband, he's not home. You can come. Oh, what? Ah, 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 ah. Getting stabbed to death. That's that horrible. was great. That was a little much. I I don't know. I, I don't know the if I'm gonna keep that, that in. She's getting... 
the guy in the but line like, saying, are what you there? The, but what if okay? that's the case? Like, what if it, like, I, I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure the police did their job, right? I mean, we, I we, hope so. we would hope, but how many times yeah. have we heard how they did? Like, they why the would key. they think to talk to the mother-in-law about it? You know what I mean? Like, why would that yeah. even be a like, question? You're the last one to talk to her. You should, you, you're right there. That's suspicious. Yeah, almost always, no matter if you're involved with whatever happened to that person or not, if you're the last one to see them, uh, you're usually like talk to very you're a person of interest. I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, yeah. And husbands, yeah. He, husbands usually first. Husband or boyfriends first yeah. right away. Like Instantly. that's that's not even a question. It's literally like okay, go grab him and let's ask him. Oh, you're our boyfriend fr- boyfriend that was out of town. Yeah. Now now we're like yeah yeah yeah. Um, that's pretty good. So there you go. That's the the, the naughty ash murder. Uh, possible ties to the tiki cult. I've never even heard of the tiki cult, but apparently. Uh, the constable, the guy that that was there at the time from another article I read, uh, had an issue with it because like tiki culture was all the rage in the 60s. Like the early 60s was a big deal. Like that's when people were doing those engraved tiki statue looking things. You know what I mean? Like it was a big deal. So Uh, this is like legit like tiki's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Oh, okay, okay. I thought like tiki is The Brady Bunch, man. No, like that. And so I think this guy, I don't know if this guy dubbed it a tiki cult or if there's a literal tiki cult uh but it's interesting it's crazy i'm gonna look into that more hmm. fascinating fascinating all right man well, what's yours what do you got for us we're we're gonna go back in time to the year 1969 <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> oh snaps 69 uh, dude that's what i'm talking about <laughs> uh, there was a there was a woman in 1969 uh, her name was Jenny Mills. Wait, no, let me let me say that again. Her original name was Deanna Myrtle. There's a reason I said that. And her family, Deanna Myrtle and her family, had thought that in 1969 they had found the right place for them, the right group to join, the right people to surround themselves with, where they felt wanted and loved, who showed love to others and kind and, and shared all their thoughts and faith and beliefs. Oh, and hippies. This group, yeah, you know, kind of. Uh, this group of people was the uh, the People's Temple. Oh, yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, that's the Jim Jones uh, yeah. People's Temple. Uh, she became. She actually would go on to become the head of the group's publication office. At one point, the People's Temple was a humongous thing. I mean, like uh, to the point where Jim Jim Jones was meeting like presidents' wives and that type of thing. That's how much yep. power he would he would get in California. Uh, so she became, uh, Deanna Myrtle became the head of the group's publication office. Her husband, Al, or Elmer, uh, was the group's photographer even. So a lot of the pictures that you'll see of of the early People's Temple is of her husband's uh, handiwork. Mm-hmm. So they're in a group, they joined a group in 1969. In 1975, so we're going about six years later, uh, at this point their family had grown. They had five children. One day, and I couldn't find out exactly what it was, but I did look. One day, their daughter apparently committed what they say was a minor infraction. Now, if you've studied anything about Jim Jones, uh, he, he he slowly, he starts out uh, actually doing a lot of good. Like, he had a lot of good thoughts and, uh, and feelings. Like, he really, uh, he was really, he really hated racism. Uh, he wanted groups all to be together, that type of thing. Uh, so he started out great, but then he slowly, you know, dived into madness and became a horrible uh, creature. Uh, but at this point, and he's kind of heading that way at this point, uh, he would actually have it many times. You can, we actually covered this in one of our earlier episodes of history creeps. 
Uh, but at one time, he uh, he had so much power over the group that he could just order a for someone to get beaten, and they would be beaten. Uh, apparently, this daughter had committed a minor infraction. This made him so mad that he had ordered her to be beaten with a paddle over 70 times. Whoa. So that was enough for uh, Myrtle, the Myrtle family. Uh, they left right after that happened. Uh, but they were scared because he had a lot of power, Jim Jones did, uh, to the point where they actually changed their names to uh, Gene and Al Mills. They became the Mills family. And they did this because one of the other things that a lot of people don't realize about Jim Jones and the People's Temple, at one point he would he would not only get people to give, uh, give him all their possessions and even their houses, but he would also uh, get them to give him the power of attorney over them. And he and they had uh, given him the power of attorney, so they changed their name so he couldn't have that anymore. Johnny, yes. Can I have power of attorney over you? Uh, what are you going to use it for? I just want to change your name. All right, go ahead. Cool. I'm going to call you Frankenstein from now on. Ah, there we go. All right, Frankenstein, like, you may continue. Uh, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to earn it, my friend. I don't see the oh, degree. Okay, yeah, good point. <laughs> all right, so uh, after leaving, listen to all this stuff that Jenny Mills was going to do. Uh, she would publish a memoir about her experience that's apparently really... I haven't gotten to read this. I need to read this because I've read a lot of books about the People's Temple. But uh, It's called Six Years with God, Life Inside Reverend Jim Jones' People's, People's Temple. Uh, she would go on to establish a center to help deprogram uh, ex-cultists. She was actually one of the people that helped to persuade uh, Leo Ryan. He's the senator or congressman, whoever, who would actually go on to oh yeah uh, to People's Temple in Guyana, which was the last place he ever actually was because he would end up dying there. He would get murdered there. Yeah. Uh, uh, he she co-founded a the Concerned Relatives, which is a support group for defectors of Jonestown and their families. Wow. So uh, November. So we're going to fast forward. So they leave in '75, November 18th, 1978. That's when the Jonestown massacre occurs. For all those who don't know, I think most of us do know, though, that's one of the greatest uh, single, if you want to call it suicide, the actual people who survived there uh, call it murder because they don't think it was suicide at all because he had so much power over these people. It was so it was so impactful, this this type of thing. Like it wasn't ex- like it like it hit the world so hard that it literally embedded itself in pop culture. If you've ever heard yes. the term drink the Kool-Aid, that is because comes, yep. of the Jonestown massacre. Yeah, it comes from this because he had he had most of the people that died there drunk a Kool Aid type substance. I actually, think it was Flavor Aid, one of those yeah. type, you know, the Kool Aid knockoffs. Yeah, uh, and it was laced with some kind of poison that would kill them. And it was women, men, and children, and it was actually terrible. There's you can see you can go back and see on YouTube like footage from the news from back then, and you would see, and it's just it's just horrific. What a helicopter flying over yeah. the land, and you can just see all the bodies just laying around. Yeah. And, and they Jim were just Jones, drinking. A lot of them were just drinking it willingly. A lot of them were. Oh yeah, a lot of them were. A lot of the people though didn't want to, and they were right. forced to, or they were uh, shot, lot, or they were shot. Jim That's Jones, of course, had somebody shoot him because he wasn't going to drink that stuff. I guess. Yep. Uh, the uh, only a few people survived Jonestown who were actually there. A lot of people uh, like uh, John, uh, like uh, Jim Jones' son, actually survived because he and a few of the other young men had a basketball team, and they were off playing basketball in another place. They didn't even know it was going down. They didn't even know it was going down, so what a horrific thing. Because that's all the people he knew were there. Uh, he hated his dad, though. It's it's pretty yeah. fascinating. Uh, Jeannie and her family had gotten out really in time. They, that probably saved their lives, really. 
because uh, if they had been there, who knows? You know, they might have been the ones that go down with him to Guyana, and and that's when he was at his absolute craziest. Yeah, he was on drugs and everything by then, and we just like would just ramble on. Didn't he have some uh, sort of disease or something that was rotting at his brain too? There was some crazy like something. That's one of the theories that's that goes around. He was very much doing drugs though. Yeah. Uh, you can, if you actually you can actually go back and listen to a lot of the recordings because yeah. he recorded himself and would play those and he would be incon- like you couldn't understand him sometimes. Yeah, unfortunately like, you can actually listen to when everyone's drinking it cuz yeah, it, it's, it it's all recorded. It's horrible to hear. I actually do I actually do not recommend it. It's pretty horrendous. But um February 26, 1980. So this is a little over Couple almost years. 2 years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, John, uh, Jeannie and her family had survived that. Of course, they're shocked and saddened by this because they still had friends and stuff that were in that. Um, February 26th comes around 1980. Mills, her husband, and one of their daughters, I think she was 15 or 16, were found murdered inside their house. Uh, and the son was actually there too, but he was left unharmed. There was no sign of a break-in. Uh, apparently, they were all... Uh, the, the article that I read said execution style. That's how they were murdered. Um, so the first thought was, because actually when they first left the People's Temple, they were so frightful. Not only did they change their names, but they actually had uh, like police escorts that were kind of watching over their house and making sure they were all right. Um, so that's how far they were taking it. So many people thought that maybe, because there were still people who didn't actually move down to Guyana who were still People's Temple. They thought maybe Jim Jones was still somehow responsible for their deaths. There was no evidence of this. Uh, so then, of course, who would the next uh, uh, you know suspect be, Chris? Son. Yeah, I was going to say either the son or... Yep. Uh, yeah, right? Yeah, you're on the right thing because he's the only one. He was in the house and he was unharmed, right? His name was Eddie. He was obviously suspected, but there was no evidence... That they could find on him, and the case went cold. And he how, the wait, how old was he again? I'm sorry. Ah, uh, goodness gracious, I don't remember. All right, he was old enough somewhere. to be considered, though. Yeah, for sure, 100. percent Okay, he was old enough that after uh, he was suspected, he actually left the country. Oh, so he left the country, and I think he goes to Japan or somewhere like that. In 2005, they reopened the case, and the police go around and they do. You know, a lot of times when they reopen a case, they'll actually go back and and re-interview people. And that's what they did with family members. And apparently they felt they had enough of uh, suspicion to actually arrest Eddie for the crime. And he actually come back, um, come back to America. He was arrested. But here's the thing. They had to let him go. He was never charged. There was a lack of evidence. He actually went back to Japan. And one of the things that I read said he lives there with his, like, his family. He's got a family there that lives there. Just like nothing happened. And the case to this day is still unsolved. Huh. Yeah. So the really tragic part to me here is they get out of this this uh, people's temple, yeah. which probably saved their lives just for this horrific thing to happen to them anyway. Insane, man. That's sad. Yeah. It's crazy. It I was just thinking, it is, like, it is. I was just thinking as we were finishing up here, I was like, man, this isn't really that odd. This is a little more intense. This is kind of like a history creeps. But it is kind of odd, though, that it the ties to the cult thing. Like, like mine had that weird thing where they thought maybe it was this tiki cult, and then they're like, nah, there's no tiki cult, right? Maybe it's yeah. this guy pretending to be a doctor. Hey, we can't find him. Two years later, let's arrest this guy stealing supplies. Oh, you have a tiki cult tattoo. 
you're also that dude. You know what I mean? Like that's just yeah. odd, that that odd tie. And then like you said, the one that that here it's sad, but it's still an odd tie. Like this woman escaped one of the biggest mass genocide, like suicide genocide, like the, one of the biggest things, horrific things like that. And then just to die, still a horrific death. So po- which makes me pose the question, uh, is final destination real? Oh, you see, are, do you so know I what I, I mean? I think you talked about that. This, let's, 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 I think your real question here is if you're meant to, yeah, uh, if your destiny is to die at some point, yes. and you escape that destiny, does it still come back for you later? Because how? Let's think about that. Like, how many times have we seen that happen, where people have escaped death and they still die a, a horrific or a weird or strange death, not just a normal "I lived till I was old and my body finally gave out" thing? You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's this a good is, question. That's crazy, man. That's uh, it, it is odd. And here's the thing: that's not odd. I've never seen any of those movies. No, really. <laughs> the first the couple are pretty good. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. He's not into, he's not into gore movies, but I think you should do. Well, you, the thing is, you know the premise already, so it's hard for you to uh, yeah, do it's a cool horror horrid movie how you review. Cheat it though is kind of cool. What? What? Insane. <laughs> what? <laughs> So there you improv, go. right? That was yeah, improv, right? right? <laughs> yeah. So there you go. There is a. There it is. There's a, a. That's odd for you. Two sad, crazy stories that do have weird, odd ties to cults in some sort of way. That's right. So let's get a little business out of the way real quick, do Chris. It. And I'm only doing this because this was like we're going to do this maybe this time in the first in the next history creeps maybe. Cool. Uh, and then we're probably going to bring it up again because we don't like to sell ourselves apparently. Yeah. Uh, we now have merch, Chris. We got shirts. We got T-shirts. Get it. So go to bicbp-radio.com. That's bicbp-radio.com, and you'll see a little thing that says store on there. And you can go to the store, and a lot of the shows on the network now have some merchandise. We have a shirt. What does the shirt say? Ours says, "I am a creeper." Uh, history creeps podcast and there's going to be a couple other history creeps t-shirts coming out as well so keep an eye out but like you said there are some for other shows uh your show retro bliss is going to have one here soon uh coming up uh i think we already have one for your horrid movie reviews we do it's got my little uh, frankenstein design on it and i'm very happy with it and it says (laughs) i hate horror which is great that was a drawing of me but all right (laughs) no 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 Uh, no. yeah Uh, we uh honestly it's a great way to Support us, and we very much appreciate it. So let, let's say that you don't really want to do the Patreon thing because it's a monthly thing. But what if you want a great T-shirt? That's a good way to do it. Or you've got a friend that you think that should, they'd like the shirt. Uh, hey, Mother's Day's coming up, and my own mom wanted one of those shirts boom. that says that she's a creeper, and uh, so that's what she's getting for Mother's Day. <laughs> I got to tell you, I love that wearing that shirt. I've worn it out in public a few times, and I love it because you know immediately people see it when it says I'm a creeper, their eyes are drawn to it right away. Cause they're like, yeah, what? And then I've, I've literally watched it happen. I've watched their eyes read. I'm a creeper. And then do that. Just like sw- subtle drop down and read the next part so that they see the name of the show. So I just love it because for me, it's just like, that's right. Read it. History creeps podcast. Check it out. iTunes yeah. and Stitcher. Go look for it. And other podcast apps for sure. Because the Apple podcast app is not the greatest. No, it's crap. It is. So uh, that's episode, that's all the that's say, all the stuff. This episode is uh, is, is yeah. sponsored by Apple products. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you probably won't be able to listen to this one on Apple's uh, podcast app because they hate that's odd. They love history creeps, but hate that's odd for some reason. <laughs> Makes no sense to us. 
and they won't help us fix it because that's, that's how great they about are. It. Does Carter have steak and apple? Like, what's the deal there? I don't know. That's a good. Maybe, if, will Will it work if we have him on the on that side as well? I don't know. Maybe he has pork chop in him though. Is that like <laughs> one or the other? All right, cool, awesome. That was very cool. That's odd episode, man. I agree. I agree. Uh, Anthony, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for Thank being you. a. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for being a Patreon supporter to Retro Blist. Yeah, you right? wanna re- we got re- we got Oh, I forgot we got to do. We have to say them. Uh, do you not Johnny, like that segue, Johnny? <laughs> what I want you to do is I want you to send them through because you uh, uh, pull the curtain back a little bit, listeners. If you don't know, Johnny lives in North Carolina. I live in Buffalo, New York. Uh, we do this across the internet waves. So what I want you to do, and we're gonna see if this works, uh, Ghostbuster style. Uh, okay. I'm going. I want you. I'm gonna hold like you send the names to me through the air, like through ESP. I'm gonna see if I can grab it out of the air and read it off. Ready? Okay. So I'm gonna concentrate really hard. Yes. Go. Are you ready? All right. Oh, Dan. Dan. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. That's one. Okay. Tim, Tim, thank you, Tim. All right, here we go. Don't pass out over there. Oh, this one's a tough one. This one is Andrew. Andrew, thank you so much oh, for the support, goodness. Andrew. Okay, here we go. You ready for the next one? This take. This is taking a lot out of me. And oh, this is Samantha. Samantha, thank you so much for the support, Samantha. Uh, what else we got? There's a, sh- a sh- sound. A sh- oh, Sean. Sean, thank you, Sean, for supporting the show. Uh, a couple more. A couple more. I know oh, we, we have more than that. I know we have more than that. You can do it. You can do it. I'm going as hard as I can. That's what she said. <laughs> oh, Michael. Michael Thompson. Uh, Michael right, Thompson. Thank okay. you. And... Oh, this is an oh 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 Olivia. Thank you, Olivia. Thanks oh. so much for the support. Uh, do we have any more? Do you have any more in you? Uh, I, I can. Okay, I can keep going. I feel like you got one more. Whew, here we go. And, and this is what? That doesn't make sense. Old prospector. No, Anthony. Anthony. Thank you, oh. Anthony, for support, my friend. Uh, <laughs> that is That's Odd. History Creeps. Thanks so much for the support, guys. We really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, I am done. I'm done, too. And since I concentrated so hard, we're going to end this show with me passing out. <laughs>